That's it, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> we are continuing our series called Storm Chasers, and if you are familiar with the Discovery Channel, you recognize that we stole that name. Um, it, uh, it perfectly or beautifully describes what the attitude of the believer should be and can be when it comes to storms. And the fact of the matter is, is that every one of us faces storms in our lives. In fact, some of you are facing a storm right now as we speak. It's, it's a difficult time in your life. And I've got some really good news for you today. And I, My prayer is that your heart will be open to what God wants to say to you, what God wants to do in your life. Because here's what, here's what I know after serving God for, um, how many years has it been now? Over 40 years. Here's what I know. I know that God loves me. And I know from the scriptures that God loves you. And I know from the scripture that God allows storms in our lives for his reasons. And today we're going to be looking at one of those reasons. But let me just say that when it comes to storms, and there are many recorded in the scripture... We discover that God uses storms as a way of revealing himself, as a way of getting our attention, as in the case of Jonah. Uh, talk about getting someone's attention. We know that God uses these storms for his purposes because he wants us to learn something. He wants to reveal himself. He wants us to discover something about who and what he is. And so my prayer this morning is that you will see God in your life right now. And I want you to know this. I want you to know that whatever storm you're facing, you can face it fearlessly if you have made up your mind to embrace God with all your heart. You do not need to be afraid of the storm. You do not need to be afraid of the storms in your life. Because what the Bible clearly shows is that wherever there's a storm, God is nearby. And if God is nearby, I want you to know that you and God together can face any storm. You have nothing to be afraid of. Now we're looking at the at the story of Noah and the storm that he faced, and I guess we could we could probably say that Noah wins the prize for facing the biggest storm. Would everybody agree with that? The interesting thing that we discover about Noah's flood, because some people think that it's it's just a, a myth. And I know some are going to sit here today thinking, Pastor, you don't really believe this stuff, do you? Well, the fact is, I do. I really believe that it happened. Um, I don't know if we fully understand all the aspects of the storm. I don't know if we understand uh, all the details of the storm. We do know this, that, that the world was totally cleansed of the evil that was on the earth. It was that evil that precipitated the storm. Now, the reason I believe that there was such a storm as this is because if you do some research on this subject, you'll find that there are at least uh, 500 uh, flood legends or stories that are found literally in, in almost every, every uh, culture. So if you go to China, you'll find... Uh, a flood story or flood narrative in their culture. If you go to China, you'll find the same thing. If you go to Hawaii, you'll find it. You find, go to Sumatra, you'll find it. In Polynesian uh, islands, you'll find the flood story. Um, 
you notice on that video clip that they mentioned the Gilgamesh epic. And uh, again, you find the flood story. So here's what we discover. We discover as we look at all of these flood narratives from all of these different cultures that all of them share many of the same details. And of course, you understand that when, when something like this is passed down orally, things ch- begin to change. But the Bible gives a very clear account of what happened with this world, with the flood, and particularly with Noah. So let's just take a look at the story of Noah. We haven't got time to read it to you, so I'm going to just tell you the story. Um, very, very simply, the world had come to a place of such incredible evil that God said, I cannot take it anymore. I cannot stand the levels or the extremes of evil in this world. Now, I'm going to just, I'm going to just stop for a moment and say this. When I heard the story as a child, I thought, man, this is pretty extreme. I mean, I mean, how, how bad could people possibly be that God would have to send a flood to destroy the whole world? Well, I'm going to tell you, 40 years later, from the time that I first heard the story, that I recall the story, 40 years later, I see an evil on this earth, on this, in this world, that absolutely is, is staggering. Would anybody agree with me on this? If you listen to the news, you hear shocking, horrifying things. I don't, some of you know I love listening to the CNN. I find myself now not even wanting to watch CNN because it's, it, it, there's stories of cannibalism in North America. It's shocking. There's stories of people being decapitated of, of well, and I'm not going to go on and on because you know how evil it is. The depths of evil in the world at the time of Noah was so extreme that God said it, it has to stop. And God was prepared to destroy the whole world except that he found one man who was righteous. One man who still called on the name of the Lord. One man who still wanted to honor and please God. One man that was careful to do God's will. And so God met Noah. And he said, Noah, I want you to build a boat because I'm going to send a mighty flood. Now, you have to understand something. Those of us who grew up in Winnipeg, we understand what floods are, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, my dad, was it, when was the flood, Dad, in the 50s? And it, I mean, we're talking about rowboats through Winnipeg. You just, you just can't imagine that. It's what caused the great building of the great, uh, the great ditch around the city. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. But that ditch was not even big enough to hold the floodwaters in the 1990s. Anybody remember that one? I actually took uh, some young people, and we went and, and placed sandbags. And, of course, we've seen that. We've seen incredible floods. Now, these floods that we've experienced here in Winnipeg are absolutely nothing compared to the flood that Noah experienced. The floodwaters actually went as high as the highest mountain peak. And God said to Noah, Noah, I need you to build a boat so that there can be two of every animal that can come and find refuge in the ark. You know the story. And suddenly all the animals are coming to the ark. And during the time that Noah is building this ark, God God has commissioned him to preach to the people who are watching and build this boat. Now you can imagine what people are saying about Noah behind his back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can imagine the laughing and the mocking. He's finally lost it now. And you imagine his, his son saying, Oh, Dad, 
My kids are embarrassed if I call their name in public. Now, here, here are my kids, or here are Noah's kids. They're not only watching their dad build their boat, but their dad's making them help them build the boat. It would be like building a Titanic in Headingley. Everybody, like, what are you doing? There's no lake around here. I mean, and, and, if, if, and if we were going to float it on Lake Winnipeg, like, wouldn't it make more sense to float it near the water's edge? But here's, here's Noah building a boat, no lake around, no, no ocean, no sea, no nothing. He's building this massive ship on the prairies, as it were. And people are laughing at him. And while he's, when he takes, this, takes a break from his building, he's preaching to the people. That they need to turn from their evil ways. They need to turn from their sin because a storm is coming. And I want, the, I want the, the Spirit of God to speak to your heart here now because this is really significant. There is a storm coming. The storm is coming. Evil on the earth is so bad, so extreme, that God has got to send a storm to clean, to to literally wash this world out. And so you know that Noah preached the gospel. What is the gospel? If you put your faith in God, if you obey him, you'll live. You'll have eternal life. This is the message that Noah is preaching to his generation. And they laughed at him. They mocked him. They asked, where's the water? And you, you tell us there's going to be mighty storms. Some, some Christian, um, Christians who are scientists, they believe that the world up to that point had never experienced rain. That there was actually a water canopy that surrounded the earth. So that there would have been the earth, there would have been an atmosphere, and then a water canopy. They'd never experienced rain before. And so that the idea of, of this great flood coming to the people was absolutely a strange and foreign and crazy idea. Well, how many times have we wondered, well, that sounds too extreme, that sounds too, too fantastic, I can't believe in that. And yet it happens. Some of you remember the tsunami that hit Asia. And you know the hundreds of thousands of people that died because of that. Well, we're talking, folks, about everything being wiped out. Because of the extreme evil on the earth. And you know the story. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, y'all get a star for that. He rained 40 days and 40 nights, and then they just sat in the ark and waited. And Noah sent out the, the bird, and the bird would fly out and then come back in again, and fly out and come back in, and then one day it just didn't come back. And so Noah knew that the floodwaters were beginning to recede. The ark landed, we believe, at Mount Ararat. And Abraham, or Noah and his family and the animals left that ark. And right there, Noah began to worship God and thank him for saving his life and the lives of his family. And here's, here's what God's response is to, to Noah. Let's read it together. Actually, I'll read it to you. Genesis 9, 11 to 14. It says, Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. How many know that the rainbow 
is God's symbol. It's not the gay and lesbian community's symbol. It, it began with God. And it was a sign, it was a mark of God's covenant with his people. It was a covenant with God, between God and humanity. And we'll talk about the significance of that in just a moment. But first, I want to say this. What causes storms? What causes the storms that we see here on the prairies? Now, I'm not a meteorologist. I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm a drain surgeon, Dad. That harkens back to my plumbing days. But I do know this. I know very simply that when very cold air meets very hot air, bad things happen. We've seen a a rash of terrible tornadoes rip through the south this past year. How many know what I'm talking about? We saw some just up around the Dauphin area just, I think it was a week or two ago. Terrible destruction, thank you. Terrible, terrible destruction. When hot air meets cold air. This is a fantastic metaphor for what happens when evil encounters the holiness and the purity of God. God will not sit back and do nothing as evil unfolds on this earth. And now let me get really personal. God will not sit back and do nothing as evil unfolds in your heart, in my heart. I can tell you this, that when hot air encounters cold air, bad things happen, storms happen. When evil encounters good, storms happen. Right now, I want to ask you a very personal question. Is there a storm brewing in your life? Do you see a storm in the horizon because you know that your life is not what it needs to be? You know that you are not living the life that Jesus Christ has called you to live. This is what happened in Noah's day. Evil, extreme evil, encountered the holiness of a holy and pure God. And God said, it's enough. What's happening in your life right now? Is a storm about to break out in your marriage? You know. Even as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is tapping you on the shoulder and the heart. And he's telling you, this is you. What the pastor's saying right now is for you. Your kids are on the verge of spinning right out of control. And you need to act now. Your finances are on the verge of blowing up in your face. You're about to face bankruptcy. You're about to face disaster. The Holy Spirit, who you understand is loving, is poking you in the shoulder, trying to get your attention. Is there a storm brewing? Your private life, your personal life is absolutely in shambles. 
and the, and the facade that you have when you come to church on Sunday, and even with your family, if the truth be known, what's brewing in your heart is a terrible storm. Folks, this is where storms come from. When evil encounters good. When evil encounters a holy God. A storm breaks out. That's why many of us face the storms that we face. Did you know that? The storms that God allows in your life is what, what one author called God's severe mercy. That sounds, you say, well, that sounds kind of oxymoronic. A severe mercy? Does that make sense? In fact, it is. Because here's what Jesus tells us in his Sermon on the Mount. He tells us it's better, he tells us it's better for us to go into, into eternity without an eye or without an arm than to go to hell. That's what Jesus said. And some of us right now are experiencing storms and God's trying to get your attention. I'm going to just say this. Before, I'm going to stop for a moment and say this. Storms aren't always because of sin in our lives. And that's a topic for another day. But we're talking about these storms that rise up in our lives, in our, in our day-to-day experience, because we're being disobedient with God. Because of the self-centeredness of our own hearts. And you know what I'm talking about. Because even as I've said, even as I have said, because of the self-centeredness in our hearts, you know inside of you whether you are a self-centered person or not. What is a self-centered person? It's a person who always puts their own interests first. Who puts their own interests before the interests of God. I'm going to take care of myself before I take care of my kids. I'm going to take care of myself before I take care of my wife. I'm going to take care of myself before I take care of the church. I can't afford to give to the church because I'm going on vacation. That's self-centeredness. I'm going to tell you this, people. And I'm speaking now to those who claim to be Christ followers. If you don't do what God's called you to do, and if you're not faithful in doing what God's called you to do, you're going to face a storm. I'm going to tell you this. The storm, the storm is far worse than being unselfish. Are you about to face a storm in your life? I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. I believe that for some of you, this is your last chance before the storm breaks out. You say, Pastor, don't you think you're being a bit dramatic? No. I've been a pastor now for almost 30 years, and I can tell you, I have seen people who have been warned, but they proceeded in in their chosen path rather than listen to the warnings. Remember Noah preaching to the people, warning them the storm is coming. I'm building a boat. I'm preparing the way. You can be on this boat. You can be spared the storm. You can be spared the flood. Listen to the warning. The warning is here for you today. And I believe for some of you, this may be your last warning. The Spirit of God is here to speak to you. And even now, as I'm speaking, you're feeling a stirring in your heart. Folks, that is God. That is a loving Father who cares about you and who does not want you to go through the storm that you're about to face. You know what? It's not just in our personal lives. I'm thinking about our country right now. And I want to tell you that there's a big storm coming for Canada. How many know that? How many know there's a massive financial crisis in Europe right now? Does anybody know this? They're saying that this, Europe has not faced a crisis of this magnitude since World War II. 
Now let that sink in for a moment. What do you think has caused this crisis in Europe? I can tell you, folks. You know what it is? It's self-centeredness. Does anybody know where this is all beginning? Name the country. Greece. Okay, Gloria and I were missionaries there for four and a half years. Obviously, we didn't do a good job, dear. (laughs) But this is what I do know, and this is all the Greeks will tell you this. They say, the the big dream of every Greek is to get a job working for the government. Because once you get hired with the government, you're never fired. You get to retire, I think, at 50. You get, is it six, six weeks wages uh, for, for vacation? On top of the time off, you get wages to go on vacation. And at Christmas time, I think you get, uh, you get two weeks off, plus you get wages for that. And, so, and, and then the corruption, uh, absolute horrible corruption. Last night we were at the Davis place, and they were telling us about the corruption in the Philippines. Listen, when, when evil encounters good... When evil encounters the justice of God, storms happen. And there's a storm brewing in Europe today because of the sinfulness and the self-centeredness of all of these nations. And what do we do? We, rather than turning to God and crying out to God for mercy, what do we do? We try to fix it ourselves. We start cranking out more money to cover the debt. Folks, does, does, do you understand where this world is going today? But there's things that are far worse than incredible uh, debt throughout the world. There's something far worse. And I want to bring your attention to the abortions that are happening in the world today. Do you know, that this is absolutely staggering to me, do you know that there's 125,000 abortions every day? When this service is done today, there have been over 5,500 babies killed. While, while we're sitting here, 5,500 babies will die in the world today. We're, we're really in bad shape. And do you think that God is going to sit back and do nothing while 5,500 babies are put to death every hour? When evil encounters the justice of God, storms happen. And there's some mighty big storms that are on their way. Do you understand this? I wish that I could be like some churches and some pastors who say, I refuse to mention sin because I don't want to lower anybody's self-esteem. My job is to teach you and to preach to you and tell you the truth. Because it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that liberates us. It's the truth that we need to spare us from the storms of life. And mark my words, there's big storms coming. My dad's generation, they were born at the end of a mighty big storm called World War II. My kids are going to face some mighty big storms. But what about your own personal life? The Bible says, happy is the man whose sins have been forgiven. Blessed is the man whose sins have been forgiven. My friends, listen to me today. You can be free of the threatening storms that are right now at your doorstep if you recognize who God is and understand that he's a loving God. 
We know it causes the storms, but I'm going to tell you this. There is good news in the midst of these storms that are on the horizon. And here's the good news. The good news is God loves you. Because some people would say, you know, I don't know what kind of a loving God would allow storms. If you really love this, you wouldn't allow that. Listen to me. You cannot divorce God from his justice while talking about his love. Does this make sense? The love and the justice of God go hand in hand. Without God's justice, there is no love. It's sentimentality. It's empty. The good news is that we have a loving Heavenly Father who cares about us. And with his love comes his justice. And so God right now is speaking to your heart. And he's calling you to return to him. Look at, look at this verse. This is actually, these verses record the very first covenant made between Almighty God and mankind. The very first covenant. And this covenant is this. God says, I will not wipe out mankind ever again. And the sign or the promise that I'll never do that is that rainbow in the sky. And God says there's only one stipulation, one thing that I want you to do. And God says, I want you to value human life the way that I value human life. God says in Genesis chapter 9, that anybody who takes the life of another human being must have their life taken. Did everybody hear this? This is not Alan Duncalf's political views. This is what the scripture says. Any human or any animal that takes the life of another human being needs to be put to death. Why? Because the, the Bible says that you and I have been created in the image of God. We reflect God and God holds us with great worth and great value. Has anybody noticed how in our generation, human life has no value? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Even the video games that young adults play, it's, it's all about how many people can you kill. That's entertainment. God holds human life. And far, has, has a far higher value attached to human life than we have. We used to have a death penalty. We don't anymore. I would say the only reason not to have a death penalty is so that innocent people aren't, aren't accidentally put to death. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to state my view here, folks. Is that all right? I'm a pastor. I'm not a politician. Where's Kevin? <laughs> I'm just joking, Kevin. I believe if there's no shadow of doubt that a person has taken someone's life, they need to be put to death, according to the scripture. And the reason is this. Some talk about deterrence. Well, it's not a real deterrent. Look, at, forget that argument. Here's the real argument. The real argument is this. God holds human life at the highest value. It's the most important part of his creation. It's the crowning achievement. Because we have been created in the image of God. So here's what's wrong with our world today. 
is that everything we do and everything that happens now on this earth devalues human life. I told you about the 125,000 babies put to death every year. We don't value human life. There's some doctors that want to, want to actually end, want to abort babies' lives when they're, when they're born. I mean, full term. We don't want this. It's a boy or it's a girl, kill it. If it's a boy, and interestingly, in China, there's reporting there's a shortage of, of, of girls for boys. Interesting. I can tell you this, there's a storm brewing. Because when evil encounters the justice of God, when evil encounters good, judgment happens. I want to read to you a passage of scripture from Genesis or from John chapter 3. Listen to this. You recognize the first verse, but what you don't maybe recognize are the rest of the verses. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, what? Shall not perish, but? Okay, can we just stop there for a moment? That's the gospel, people. That is the good news. God doesn't want anybody to perish. God doesn't want anybody to suffer. How many understand today that God is a loving Father? But part of his loving nature also includes a justice element. And because of his justice, he cannot ignore evil. Jesus goes on to say this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Did you hear that? God doesn't want to condemn this world. We condemn ourselves through our evil, through our sin. And some of us right now are about to experience God's judgment. Or shall we put it like this? His loving discipline. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Listen to this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You're getting a warning today. Not from Alan Duncalf, because God's speaking to me too. We're getting a warning today to get our lives cleaned up. And if you're facing a storm right now, maybe this is God just tapping you on the shoulder and saying, come back to me, child. Turn away from your evil ways. Return to me. Because... God would say, because I love you. Last week we talked about the chaos. The chaos that is the default setting of this life. How many know what I'm talking about? If you're not disciplined, if you're not careful to stay on top, your life will quickly go into a downward spiral. We call it a moral declension or backsliding. Listen, folks, if you're not walking with God, if you're not staying close to the heart of the Father, then there's a good chance you are in a backslidden state or you are backsliding. 
Because you're either going upward or you're going backward. You're, there's, no such sense, there's no such thing as a neutral state. How many know that? You just sort of say, well, you know what? I'm just sort of like, I'm chilling right now and I'm not really on fire and I'm not really doing anything. I'm just sitting back and I'm just drinking it in. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going through a time in my life right now where I just got to, you know, just, just back off of ministry and, you know, back off caring for people. I just got to get my own personal life together. That's baloney. That's just utter nonsense. What God's calling each and every one of us to is to obey him and do his will. And you need to know, you need to ask yourself the question, what is God's will for my life? And am I doing it? And if you could say yes, then the next question you need to ask is this. You need to ask, am I living for others? Am I living an unselfish life? Or am I living for myself? And if you're not sure, ask your wife. And if she's too afraid to tell you the truth, ask your kids. And if they won't tell you the truth, ask your brother or your sister, ask your friends. They'll all tell you. But you've got to say this to them. Look it, I will love you no matter what you say to me. And be open. Because when evil encounters the justice, the goodness, the holiness of God, storms break out. And some of us have got storms that are just on the horizon. And I can tell you this right now. That you don't have to go through that storm. If you get your life right with God right now. I was reading those, you know, thinking of Canada Day. I was reading the statistics about abortion, not just in the world, but in Canada. I was so, so shocked when I read this. In Canada, there are about 330,000 live births every year. And do you know how many abortions there are? 110,000. That's 25% of the potential live births that are wiped out in Canada. You always think of Canada as being sort of a pristine and wonderful country. I'm thankful for our freedoms, but I can tell you this. There's a storm coming for this country. Canada is not going to be spared. And those of you who come from other countries thinking it's going to be better here, sorry. <laughs> We're in trouble. I'm, listen, we are in such big doo-doo. As a country and maybe even as, our, as individuals, we're about to face a storm. But here's, here's what I do know about my loving God, my loving and gracious Heavenly Father. My Father in Heaven who has been so faithful and so loving and so kind and so good to Alan Duncalf. This is what I know about my Father. Is that he forgives sin. And this is what he said to Solomon called Solomon the Wise, when he began, when Solomon took up his reign as king of Israel. God spoke to Solomon. And he warned Solomon of the potential for terrible storms in the days ahead. And he warned Solomon that if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven 
and answer their prayer and heal their land. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today because what God said to Solomon all those hundreds of years ago, he says to us today, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask the band to come. I want them to, to, to play that song one more time, Oh, How He Loves Us. And as they're setting up, I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. And I'm going to pray. I want to pray for you. Your eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Is there anyone here today that say, Pastor Alan, I need you to pray for me because I see a storm coming. Yes. Yes. I see a st- I know. Yes. Yes. Lots and lots of hands. Praise God. God wants to do a special work of his grace in your life. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Know this today, my brothers, my sisters. God loves you so much. And he wants to spare you from the flood. He wants to spare you from the storm. But you're going to have to turn to him. You're going to have to turn to him and you're going to have to confess your sin to him. You're going to have to say, God, I am failing. God, I am self-centered. God, I'm putting myself first. God, I'm so far from you. Father, I'm reaching out to you right now because I need your help. I want to return to you. I want, to, I want my heart to be close to your heart, Father. And my prayer for you t- today is that you'll feel that that refreshment of the Spirit and that the downward spiral will stop and you'll start heading back up again. That the backsliding will stop and you'll start moving towards the Father because He loves you. Touch me and renew me and refresh me and draw me unto Yourself, Father. God, we know that You're faithful and just and You'll do that. Because of your great love for us. God, go with us as we go from this place. May this summer be a great summer and that we are yielded to you and that the Spirit of God has his way in our hearts and lives. Because, God, we know that's what you want for us. And we give you thanks now in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go with God.